We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. USMA 87. Ryan, what are your thoughts on Sam Hartman's draft prospects? Obviously, you want to just kind of update on where things are, which is why this question is being asked. Yeah, I mean, so unfortunately, he's dealing with a it's it's a non-disclosed medical issue. And what that means is just pure speculation at this point. Me and Brian have talked about like a couple of things that maybe it could be, you know, just kind of speculating about it. But nobody knows right now. All we know that is that, you know, from eight from a future perspective, it's just a big cloud right now. Like we have no idea Mm -hmm. what's happening with Sam Hartman before this hole popped up. I would say that from grades that I've seen in just general understanding, I would say that Sam Hartman is pretty well liked by the NFL. I I think that he was having between fourth to sixth round type of conversations. I think he's a little overhyped from as a NFL draft prospect, Mm because I just don't see a great arm. Like I think that he's got really middling to below average arm strength and He's a tough kid. He's got kind of that gamer stuff too that we talked about with Colt McCoy, right? And he's a great college quarterback, a really good college mm-hmm. quarterback. There's no doubt. I think that he's at best a backup option at the NFL level. But of course, we have to figure out what's going on with the medical stuff because that's a big mm-hmm. layer to the NFL draft process as well, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. wishing him all the best though, because he's yeah. a, he's great for college football. Yeah. He's a young man. So I hope that everything medically checks out and he's Back on back on the mend here pretty soon. Hopefully. Yeah, you just hope that whatever's going on is not a permanent issue. You know that it's something that hey, this has just happened, and once it's over, it's you know it's it's done and won't be something that comes back or you know whatever it is. So I don't want to speculate on it too much because we just don't know what it was, and that would be un, uh, unwise, unfair, and irresponsible. So we're not going to do that. Let's see here. Let's get down to uh, Milton fan 15 question. What difference do you see in attitude, intensity and player effort from last year to this year? Honestly, Milton, it's, it's, it's hard to say beyond what we've already said this summer, where in the spring we saw a lot more intensity, a lot more fire and passion. But I mean, you know, I'm, I'm trying to tell you, we've been to like five practices so far and they're for the first five periods. It's like special teams and, and individual uh, stretch. That's it. It, you're not really you can't judge what a team is by those periods so we don't get to see that 
the the team practices, the seven on sevens, the one on ones. We don't get to see what the competition is like in those periods. In the past, during the first five, sometimes we get like we usually get like a one on one or two a period or two. We're just not seeing those this year, so it's really hard to say uh, what it's like. If I'm being if I'm being responsible, I just say, look, refer to what we said in the spring. A lot more fire, a lot more energy, a lot more passion. I don't know if that's carried in the fall because we just haven't seen enough of it. To be completely honest with you. Mm-hmm. USMA says, is CJ Stroud going to be the Spencer Rattler of last year from a Heisman hype perspective, especially if Notre Dame wins on 9-3? Very doubtful, very doubtful. I, yeah. so look, the thing with Spencer Rattler is, is Spencer Rattler is very talented. There's no doubt. But his personality is very volatile, right? And yeah. that's kind of where the volatility of play came into effect. CJ Stroud is a very cool, calm, collected type of player, it seems, right? And he's in a good system under a good offensive coach, and he has a lot of good structure around him, and he seems like a very well-spoken young man. So I don't have volatility about C.J. Stroud from a mental side of things. Mm-hmm. You always had that with, with Spencer Rattler. I mean, Spencer Rattler's that guy where if everything clicks, he's incredibly talented, right? Mm-hmm. But I think what made C.J. Stroud so improved down the stretch and just a such a successful football player last year is the mental side, I think, is really a mm-hmm. little advanced compared to yeah. Spencer Rattler. So I would just say the maturity level is the biggest difference. I don't think I don't see C.J. Stroud taking that type of slide. Agree. I think the system is better, suits him really well. He's got great talent around him. I think those things alone would make it hard for him to take that kind of drop. I think I think the difference is, is Spencer Rattler was never as good as the hype about him was. No. That's not true. C.J. Stroud's already shown he's that good. And, and, uh, like I said, by the end of the year, like that, he was really good. Like they didn't yes. lose to Michigan because of CJ Stroud. I mean, they, yeah. if it wasn't for CJ Stroud, they might have lost a couple more games. Let's be honest. If he doesn't just, dist- I mean, he was, we've talked about the issues against Utah, Utah, all the injuries, but that doesn't take away from how good CJ Stroud was in that game. 100%. He was really good in that game. It just, but, but again, if Utah is not banged up, that might not, it might not have been enough. I mean, you know, but but he he was really good in that game because Ka- Cameron Re- Rising was uh, was tearing up. He Ohio was State's yes team early yes. on. So. Yes, yep. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's get to some more. Uh, Ryan, this is for you. Sam Tyrell, does Notre Dame have four legitimate NFL players on their offensive line? I think this is meant to include the starting lineup. So yes, like not I projecting future, five. Yeah, I, I think so because I, that's what I would. Yeah, I, I think so because if we're going to talk about future, then you know, I mean, you you could talk about like the 2017 offensive line had like what eight, nine, yeah. something like that. You know, yeah. like so. Um, yeah, just let's go with the starting offensive line. Okay, so if we're running off the assumption that it ends up being Joe Walt, Jared Patterson, Zeke Corral, Josh Lug, Blake Fisher, I would say you have. Three without question, right? You have, well, let me rephrase. You have three starting players at the next level, I believe, most likely. You have Blake Fisher, Joe Alt, who I think are both have that upside to being very good players at the next level. I think you have Jared Patterson, who also has starter upside on the next level. The biggest questions now, Sam, is like, if you're asking me fringe players that could hold on to a roster, you could sell me Josh Luck could be mm-hmm. a fringe rosterable player. I don't think he's ever going to be a starter at the next level, but like, We've seen a couple of Notre Dame offensive linemen who weren't stars at the Notre Dame level that have, you know, had a role for a year, at, mm-hmm. at least, you know, kind of fighting for some backup opportunities. So between Corral and Lug, I think both players have the potential to being rosterable players. I don't see starter upside. And right now, like, they're both not draftable players by any sense. Like, Josh Lug is not going to be drafted right now based upon the film, in my opinion. But could he be a UDFA or priority free agent that sticks on a roster or on a practice squad? It's possible. But I would say three, mm-hmm. no doubt, NFL players. And then you might have a, a fringe rosterable player at the end there. I love this response right here from our World War II conversation. We had Captain America. They were cooked. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Hundred percent. We we all saw it. We all saw it. Yep. <laughs> That's great. That is a great, great response. I, I wanted to respond to this here real quick. Couple things down here real quick. Uh, Sam Tyrell, Brian, did you personally go watch practice? No, I did not. I will not be at any practices or home games this year in the press box. So uh, that is Sean Styers. Uh, Vince is there, and then Vince couldn't go yesterday, so his uh, former offensive line coach Chris Summers went, and that's why. We did the O-line film yesterday because Chris does a good job. He knows what to look for, and he knows the angles to look uh, to get good offensive line video. So anytime Chris goes to practice, I always have him do an offensive line video, which is why we went to – we did the one yesterday. He did a really good job, so I'm, I'm thankful to him. He actually coaches uh, football pen, uh, oh, which nice. is, yeah, around here. So And Paul Rose asked, Brian, have you taken your P365XL to the range yet? I have, and it is beautiful. It shoots incredibly well. Um, very accurate, very clean, had no issues with it. And, uh, it is now my carry pistol. So yes, I have taken it to the range. Very happy with it. I also got some new mags the other day for it. So now I'm, I'm all set, man. I had that got bought the 15 round extender. So I, uh, I'm good to go, buddy. Yes, I have taken it to the range. Thanks for asking. He knows that I'm a, I'm a sick guy. Quinn Kelly asks, are you guys fans of high schools running triple options? Yes, I am. Ryan's always a fan of it. Well, high school is a different not, animal. actually yeah. i just got it's, it's yeah. kind of our shtick that i, I mess yeah. with you a little bit but yeah. i mean if that's what you have yeah, yeah quinn like yeah. if you have undersized offensive linemen right. and you don't have a great passing quarterback but like he's a decent runner and yep. yeah 100 if that's what you have i mean i've yep. been on teams that ran, and it works for you yeah 100 yeah, i've seen te- i've been on teams that have run power eye i've been on teams that have run single wing i've been on teams that 
well, not as much tri- triple option, but like on defensive side of the football, I've been on teams that have run a four, four or five, two. I'm open to whatever yeah. on the high school level. Cause you need to maximize your talent. As long as you can teach you it. You don't have yeah. much of it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, I think it can be hard to run a triple option. If you're at a high school that doesn't, isn't a feeder program. I think that's the other thing. It can be a little challenging. So if you're in a, like, especially at a smaller high school where the same kid, like this is where it was where I grew up in, 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 in Lima, it was Bath Elementary, Bath Middle, Bath High School. That was it. I mean, we were all grew up together. You know, so when we're playing junior high football, we're running the same, basically kind of the same kind of principles that they were running on varsity. So by the time you went to varsity, you were kind of running the same system your whole life. I don't know if it's like that now, but it was like that when I was a kid. Yeah. And and so usually, usually they keep that stuff uniform because it's if like you can. an easy transition. Yeah, if you yeah. can, and, you yeah. know, but it's um, yeah, I mean, look, whatever works, as long as you can teach it, the kids like it and it's, it works for you. Sure. Go for it. Because high school, like I said, high school is a different animal. I mean, yeah, you want to say, hey, you know, you should do things or help kids get to college. That's not a high school coach's job it, directly. There are things you can do with whatever offense you're doing that are going to help kids get to the next level. Right. And you should take pride in that. But you're not building your system around what's going to help kids go play college football. Otherwise, you may not have a job to do that. Your job is to teach kids how to play, teach kids to be to help develop them as young men and do all. But as far as the specific X's and O's, it's what's going to win you football games. I mean, those are things that to me are, are, are important, in my opinion. Next question, uh, Irish Chi-Town. Brian, if you were the offensive coordinator, what offense would you run? Ryan, I'm going to let you ask, answer that one first. And then I'll answer it second. Brian and Chi-Town, I thank you for starting to finally ask me some questions. I appreciate that. So what would would you run? Yeah, I I would have elements of pro style. So it'd be a little more like a pro style spread, right? Like I Mm -hmm. I want, I kind of want a little bit of both worlds at points, but I'd be a heavy inside zone system, some duo. That would kind of be the, mostly the run scheme that I would work with today. But yeah, I would say pro style spread would probably be my preferred. Mm -hmm. I agree. I am, uh, I am a, so first of all, my system would be kind of the same. I am a fan of a base being 11 personnel pro style offense. That's just kind of where I'm at. I am a shotgun guy, but I also like being able to mix it up and go under center. So some of the things they've done in recent years, I haven't had an issue with, uh, as far as this alignment, I just felt like if you're going to go under center, one of the things I liked about Chip Long and especially Tommy Reese is if you're going to be a pro style team, that's not snapping the ball early you better be moving your personnel motion shifts, all that other kind of stuff around trying to gain leverage, trying to do all, get isolations, trying to gain, gain numbers advantage, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so that would be me. I do like the shotgun. I, I prefer a quarterback that can at least do some things from a mobile standpoint, don't require it to be a, a runner per se, you know, but, uh, but I'd be, I'd be easily able to adapt the guy that can do the RPOs. I, I love RPOs. As soon as I saw him, I was like, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, but that would be my thing. I like I like isolations. I like levels. I like throwing levels a lot. I'm not necessarily uh, like one thing I didn't like about Brian Kelly's pass offense was very one on one oriented. I didn't like that. Uh, where it's just more horizontal stretches. I'm more of a vertical stretch guy, Ryan. I like using you know vertical stretch to kind of run guys off, bring free guys up, you know, stack stuff on, create triangles and, and meshes and that kind of stuff. Is kind of always how I've been in the past game. Uh, I don't mind setting up an ISO, but I kind of like if I'm going to run a vertical route that I want to set up or horizontal stretch type of thing, I would rather kind of use my motions and shifts to get a guy isolated to where we're in a matchup that we like for that particular route, as opposed to 
you know, a lot of the, I mean, Notre Dame would run four verts a ton and, and variations off of it, where it just was like, was, you, you needed to have really good, smart players uh, for it to work. Otherwise you, it was just, it wasn't going to work as well. Yeah. So that would be, that would be my stance. Here's a good one from Irish Eye Town. Best baseball movie. It is major league and okay. it's not okay. particularly close in my opinion. I disagree with the second part of your statement. I do think mm-hmm. it's close. Bull Durham is a great baseball movie. That is a really good movie. Yes. I agree. Yes. I, can, I can get there. Yes. Field of Dreams is technically a baseball movie, but I don't consider it a baseball movie. If it's that a makes little, sense, it's a little right? overrated also. I don't think opinion. it's overrated. I think it's a great movie. If you're looking at it as a baseball movie, then yes, I could understand you feeling that way, but it's a great storyline. It's very well acted and it's got Kevin Costner and James Earl Jones. Of course it's going to have and and Ray Liotta in it. So, you know, you had, you had a great cast. I liked Field of Dreams quite a bit. I just don't view it as a baseball movie per se. You know, it's more of like that was around the storyline. The storyline was something different. Oh. You know, reconnecting with your father, yeah, and all that other kind. Yeah, Yeah. it was like really cool stuff, right? And uh, but it's not. I mean, I can't compare that to Major League and and Bull Durham and stuff like that. Uh, Major League was great. Bull Durham was was really good. It was. Yeah, I haven't seen Bull Durham in a long time. I need to watch some more Nick Lelouch. Yeah, back in there. Yeah, Yeah. I just like the you know the the one of my favorite scenes is the manager goes in and crashes shaven, and he's like, you know, I you can't get these guys to do anything, and he's like, scare them. He's like, what? He goes, they're kids, scare them. So he walks in there, throws the bats. He's like, get in the Yeah, he's like, you lollygag the ball around the infield. You lollygag the ball around the bases. And he's like, what does that make you, Larry? Lollygaggers. Lollygaggers. (laughs) (laughs) Just such a great scene. What I like about those two movies is, to me, a great movie is one that just stands the test of time just from uh, appreciation over different generations. But also, is it quotable? Like the yes. thing I love about Major League and Bull Durham is it's got so many great pull, takeaway quotes that are just funny. Nice catch, Ace. Don't ever effing do it again. You know what I mean? Like there's just, you know what I mean? It's like you may hit like hey, Maze, or hey, you may uh, run like Hayes, but you hit like, you know, I mean, it's just so many great, so That's many great, great ones. Great movie, the second man. one was eh, you know, and then the other ones after that were just Ma- garbage. Major League was back to the minors. Right. You ever yeah. see Back to the oh, Miners? I did, unfortunately. Unfortunately, so I did. It was so, it was so, so bad. bad. Where, where, um, what's his name? What, what's the, the Ophi, Ophi catcher from the second one? Baker, right? Yeah. Was, yeah. To- Rue Baker. Yeah. Rue Baker. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and he came in into the second one and, like, as a minor, I'm like, this is right. stupid. Why, yeah. why is this? It was really right bad. Now? It was yeah. really bad. It was really bad. There were some funny scenes in it, but like, like, you know, you got Omar Epps trying to play the character of the Wesley Snipes. It was, it was just not good. Yeah, no, Wesley Snipes was so much better. Yes, yes. Yeah, um, I, I did like Wild Things role because I think I think getting Charlie Sheen to try to act proper like made that character <laughs> even better because he's just that's not him, and it's definitely not his character. I thought that was pretty good too. Oh pretty, man! And how do you go from being a player one year to an owner the next? Like, come on! Like with Dorn, it's yeah. just it was it was a more unbelievable premise. This the premise around it was a little bit less believable. Yeah. Uh, although I'm not usually someone who like likes, um, you know like the believability, like, you know, oh, that's not realistic. I'm like, we're watching a superhero movie. And that that's the thing you find a pro you have a problem with, right? Like, okay. I, I, I liked, um, I liked in that movie, not a quote, but when um Eddie Harris, the pitcher is yeah. like showing that he has like Vagisil yeah. and Barbasol. <laughs> yeah. Are you telling me Jesus Christ couldn't hit a curveball? <laughs> like, I mean, that is the greatest story. quote from that movie. If I'm being honest, it's fantastic. <laughs> 
That's a great movie. Somebody said Rookie of the Year. That was that was good. It was all right. It was like more of a kid movie, you know. Yeah. Uh, Mister Baseball is good. It, I, have you ever seen Mister Baseball with Tom? Yeah, Sully? that's with uh, what's his name, right? Serrano no, right. was in it, yeah. but is a different person. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the guy that Dennis Hastert was in it, di- different character. I thought that was pretty good. I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty good. Obviously, yeah. Major League is a good one. Uh, the Natural's a good one. Um, the yeah. Natural is has is a little too dry for me at times. Yeah, uh, just the way that it is. But I mean, it's got some good parts in it. It, it just I can't sit down and just watch the natural again. Yeah. It just he wasn't kinda, a he wasn't no overly ex- with it's it's um de- what was the the actor's name Robert Redford the, Robert Redford yeah, yeah he wasn't like a he wasn't like a very I don't believable likeable, baseball player like, it was just like, oh, yeah. he was just he was like very dry like it was just like how yeah. he talked to everyone was just kind of the yeah. same tone it's kind of a jerk like, yeah you know it's yeah. like kind of like not a, not the ideal hero he's kind of like you know like kind of yeah. I'm with yeah. you. Like, I want to like him. He's kind of the good guy, but I don't really like him. Yeah. You know, yeah. but uh, a very underrated baseball movie, A League of Their Own. Oh, it's great. It's Tom Hanks, great, fantastic. great yeah. baseball movie. Gina and it, Davis. And, oh, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Their their relationship between Gina Davis and Tom Hanks' dynamic yeah. was excellent. And That's I don't particularly movie. care for her very much as a human being, but mm-hmm. Rosie O'Donnell, Madonna. Yeah. It's, they, 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 they were really good. They yeah, were they really good. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed that movie. So, I think someone said in the chat, there's no crying in baseball. There's, there's no, no crying. There's no baseball. crying. You know, it's like, it's just, it's just no crying. No crying. She's crying, sir. You know what I mean? It's just such a great movie. Oh my gosh. Hey, what, what's your, you know, whatever, what your name is. Like he doesn't remember the girl's name and they're having like the sign battle. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. uh, oh, it was great, and but it also had some really heartwarming moments, and like some you know, it's like because mm-hmm. it was just like it was kind of based on a true story, right? And yeah, but yeah. like the scene of like why were they playing because the men were fighting the war. I mean, In we talked war, about yeah. earlier, like you know, like the women had to step up and and do a lot of things, and other people had to step up and do a lot of things, and uh, you know, the scene where the, the telegram guy walks in and he's got a telegram for one of the women because their husband had just died. Mm-hmm. And just how they're all like petrified because they all had husbands fighting overseas. You just see the impact of of that. So, I mean, you had some of those moments, too, that were really funny. Like when May's teaching that lady how to read. What do oh, you yeah, what yeah. do you read? It doesn't matter. She's reading. That's all that matters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, just, it was really good. It was really well done. For the oh, love of the so, game, I enjoyed too. Did you like yeah, that I'm movie? Say for love of yeah. the game with um, Kevin Costner, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Was yeah. Somebody said um, uh, Angels in the Outfield. No. No, it, it was cool when I was a yeah. kid. Mm. It was cool when I was a kid. Little yeah. big league, yeah. Eh, you know, that sucked. Yeah, Sorry. that's the one where the kid took over as the manager. Yeah, nah. yeah. I didn't like that one very much. Not, uh, my, not my bag. Yeah, his mom. Yeah, his, was yeah. His mom was not unattractive in that movie though. Irish Shy Town, Bad News Bears. I didn't like any of those. I didn't like the old ones I, or the new ones. I was. I was going to say. I, I think. I think that. I think that the original Bad News Bears is slightly overrated. It was yeah. fine. It was fine. Yeah, Sandlot. I didn't even think about that one. That one's really Sandlot's good. great. Yeah. It's movie. yeah. Yeah. It's not in my top three, but it's a really good one. The, mm-hmm. It does have, because to me, like Sandlot for me, there's only mm-hmm. one scene. There's only two scenes from there that are like memorable to me. It's the mm-hmm. scene at the, the pool, the lifeguard, right? <laughs> That's like every eight year old boy's dream. Right. Yes. And then the other one is the art, the argument, you know, the, 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 between the, the baseball team and the uniform and the kids oh, playing yeah. street ball. Yeah. And then how the, the 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 end the end inverse like the argument ender was sort of like it reminded me of like a Christmas story like I triple dog there like okay it's over like you know but you play ball like a girl you know it just <laughs> was like 
what, what'd you say <gasps> to me? You know, yeah. it just was, it was just Wait, which is so funny because like we laugh about it, but like you know, if you were that age and someone said you'd be like, Excuse me, yeah, what'd exactly. you say to me? <laughs> exactly. And I had an incredibly athletic, talented sister, and it wouldn't have mattered. It just was the perception behind that comment. So exactly. Yeah, it was uh great, great. I just love some of these um these takeaways from the the different movies, you know, that yeah. uh in the different comments. The damn Yankees. Uh, did you ever watch Eight Men Out? Yes. Okay. Yep. I thought that was a pretty decent movie. Charlie Sheen's in that as well. Yeah. Yep. He is. You're right. He's in that. I only usually remember John Cusack's character in that movie. But yes, yep. you are John correct. John Cusack's in that too. Yeah. Moneyball was okay. It was entertaining, but it's like not necessarily. It's. I'll say it. I just kind of thought it just was a little, a little. Um, I'm trying Cheesy. to think. Like, yeah, yeah. Like they t- combine like three years into one. And yeah. like the trade deadline thing, like I, it's not that easy. Like, come on, no. man. Like, you know, no. it's like, no. you know, um, that's 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 like that's like um, draft day, right? It's just like that's yeah. not how that hundred yeah. percent works. But, so, but like, to me, I enjoy draft day more than Moneyball. There was just too many dry moments in Moneyball, and and I just yeah. never found Billy Bean to be very likable. Here's a good one: sixty one. That was a really good baseball movie. Have you ever seen about that Roger, Roger about Maris Roger Maris and, and Mickey Mantle? Yeah. Really, really well done. Yeah. Really well done. I'm mm-hmm. trying to see if there's any other good suggestions about it. I think, I think, oh, <laughs> Naked Gun, not a baseball movie. I've, n- I've but, never seen Naked Gun. I don't even know. Okay, you have to watch the baseball scene. Watching Leslie Nielsen <laughs> call three strikes, just that's all uh, I'm going to say to you, was one of the, I've, I don't know if I have ever laughed as hard as I, in my life as I did watching that movie when he okay. was calling three strikes. He's like, first one, he's like, so basic premise, guy throws, he's, he's a, a, a cop and he's undercover and he's the official. He's the umpire, home plate umpire, and mm-hmm. some bad guy is like rigged. To, they're going to try to kill the Queen of England at an Angels game, right? So mm-hmm. he knocks the umpire out. He's sitting there behind home plate, and the guy throws a strike, and he doesn't know what to do. And he's like, strike? And the crowd goes <laughs> nuts, right? So then the next is like, strike two. <laughs> then on the third strike, the ball's not even there yet. And he's like, strike three. And so it's like moonwalking and doing all this kind of stuff. It was hilarious. It was a great, great scene. You're gonna have to watch. You're gonna have to watch it. It's really. Have it's you really ever well seen? Done. I saw a couple people in the chat said the scout. Have you ever seen that? Yes. Uh. Well, yeah. which one is that? It, the it's one with um. What's his name? Al- the, uh... Is that the one with Albert Brooks or the one with um? Uh. The, uh. What's his name? I'm trying to think which one the scout the guy, is because the guy there's... from the Mummy. The guy from the Mummy was Brendan Fraser. Okay, Fraser's in it yes. as the as the yes. pitcher, Steve Nebraska. But yeah, Albert Brooks yeah. is the is the trainer is the scout. I keep thinking of there was one with um, what's his name Edward? Is it Edward Alonzo? Uh, what's that guy's name? He's a, but it's a man. What's it called? But he's a old scout. He's like an old school scout, Hispanic guy. I'm trying to remember the name of the movie. I'm, I know someone's. Th- I thought that was better than the scout. The scout was kind of funny, but um, the scout was also very corny. I mean, he's yeah, going like I didn't. I, yeah, miles an hour I didn't enjoy. It. The other one was a little bit more believable. I yeah. thought that was good. School. Uh, somebody said Trouble with the Curve. That's a really good movie. I enjoyed that movie a lot. That was really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that one was really good. Hector uh, Elizondo. That's who it is. He was in a movie. It was a baseball movie. I want to find um, Hector Elizondo. No, no, that's not him. That's not him. Um, dang it. What's that guy's name? Oh, man. Uh, the lady from... Um, the lady from uh, Goodfellas was in it. She was also in it. She was his. Uh, she was like kind of his girlfriend. I'm trying to remember 
what the name of it was. So just Lorraine Bracco was in it, and I'm I'm trying I'm gonna go to her and see if I can find uh, the name of the movie. What it was? It was man. What was it called? It was in the ni- Talent for the Game. That's what it was called. Uh, with um, what's his name? Edward James Olmos. That's ah. what it was. It was a really good movie, but it was like more of a, a realistic movie where you know, he goes and finds this kid out in the middle of nowhere, and then the kid becomes big time, and just just how the whole thing worked. I thought that was pretty good. That was pretty good. That was a good. That was a good baseball movie. And he was always eating sunflower seeds. And you know me, Ryan. I'm, I'm a big fan. Yes. Of Someone seeds, said so. Babe with John Goodman. I actually kind of liked that movie, but mm. I I just did not like John Goodman as Babe. Yeah. If I'm being honest, yeah. it's a little over the top. He was never Babe Ruth was never that big. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's see here. All right, let's get to some more. I'm going to pass some of these because we've got to we've got to kind of wrap this up. This has gone pretty long, and we have a lot of questions in the queue. Yeah. All right. We got we get through that one. I'll I'll get to this one. Robert Bishop, are you guys ever going to finally tell us how you became such devoted Notre Dame fans? I'm bound to determine to get an answer on this. Uh, Robert, we have answered this question many times, but but sometimes people join the show new and they're they haven't been on the show as long, so. Uh, and he's asked this like three straight shows. So I'm going to give him, throw him the bone. Ryan, you want to go ahead and explain just kind of quickly how you became a Notre Dame fan? Yeah. Yeah. Robert. So for me, I had the choice between my, so my dad was born in Florida. He is a Miami Dolphins fan. Okay. Going to the NFL side of things for a second. My mom grew up a Rams fan. It was the LA Rams at that point. Now it's the LA Rams again. So I had the choice between what NFL team I wanted to root for. I did not have the choice of a college football team. I, I from the moment from the moment I can remember watching a football game, I was rooting for Notre Dame. My dad is a gigantic Notre Dame game. He's been a yeah, Notre Dame fan. He's been to multiple games with me already. He will also be coming with me to the Marshall game uh, for the first home game this year. So I did not. I the the short of it is. I did not have a choice. That's just Notre Dame was in my blood and that's always what it's been. Um, my dad, similar thing, you know, my dad was a Notre Dame fan. So when I was a kid growing up in Ohio, it was either Ohio state and Michigan or, you know, that was it. Right. And I didn't like either one of those teams in football. And so my dad was a Notre Dame fan. And, and when I was a kid, Notre Dame was getting to be pretty good. Like I was lucky to kind of be a fan of Notre Dame in an era where they were really good. Uh, unfortunately for like Ryan's, generation they didn't get to experience it the way we did but like my first year of really remembering notre dame was 1988 so i was 10 so like from 10 to 15 i'm like man this this college football fandom thing is pretty good you know <laughs> being a notre dame fan and i mean i just i loved lou holtz i just loved the rocket tony rice i just fell in love with the team so my dad was a fan but my dad wasn't a huge notre dame fan the way that that i i was he was nfl first he was a redskins fans first and and I was kind of a I was already a Broncos fan by then, like already a diehard Broncos fan. So I was a really pro NFL guy. My dad liked Notre Dame, and then when I finally got into college football, I was like, okay, Notre Dame is my team. I just I love Notre Dame, and I'm I'm now more of a Notre Dame fan than I am a Broncos fan, even after doing this job for a decade, which can make it hard. I mean, when you cover a team for a decade, you know sometimes you gotta you gotta learn to put your fan hat off, take it off. Well, you have to learn to do that when you're producing and putting out content. But, you know, you get to know people, and I'm going to be honest with you, it was hard to be a Notre Dame fan sometimes in the last decade just because you're like, I know those people that are doing that, and they're not good guy, and I can't have a hard time, you know, rooting for them to do be successful. And you get to know the people that, that in a ways that you don't as a fan, and that kind of that kind of made it a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit, a little bit challenging. So, but that's not the case right now. 
All right. We have a, a super chat down here uh, from Riza. Riza says, what's your biggest takes on the Notre Dame football program, players or whatever around Notre Dame over the last few years, where you were eventually proved wrong? So a oh. take you had where you're eventually proved wrong. I mean, I've talked about some. I didn't think Kyler Williams was going to be anything more than a, a nice rotation player at running back. I was definitely mm-hmm. wrong on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that would be one. I it thought – I'm trying to think of some more. What What are some of yours, Ryan? I mean, I'm thinking of, like, things that I've missed on, mm-hmm. I guess. It's like a recruiting thing, right? Sure. I mean, like, I, I mean, there's some guys, like – I mean, there's always I, – I think that, you know, for me, it was like Dane Chris that I thought was going to be the next Yeah, that's thing, a good one. Right? Yeah. Like, I thought he was going to be the dude for a while there, a quarterback. There's been – I mean, there's been a lot of players. Like, I don't want to throw people under the bus, but yeah. it's like, you know, that you just miss on some players sometimes, yeah. you know? And it's just like not the same – guy that i thought they were going to be type of thing so i, I thought I, th- I also thought what's his name um run, uh his name just escaped me the running back that kept getting hurts 25 torian folson i thought okay. torian folson his fr- freshman year i was like, that dude's going to be one of the best running backs in notre dame history i'm like that's going to be but i wouldn't guy. say you got proved wrong i mean after two years he was like fourth all time for a notre dame running back through his first two years i mean you can't you're not so wrong good, guy tore his knee up i mean you yeah. can't I don't think that I think that's different than, you know, like, hey, I think this guy's going to be really good and he's not, you know, like I, right. I thought Javon McKinley was going to be a stud in his Notre Dame career. And then I, I, I mean, there Max were, Redfield was going to yeah. be a lot better than and the, and, Yeah. And there were extenuating circumstances for Javon injuries and other things like that. I thought sure. Dell Alexander was going to be a pretty good receivers coach in Notre Dame. I did. Mm. I did. Uh, unfortunately, I've not been wrong that often about coaches at Notre Dame. I wish I had been wrong more often, but I have not been wrong. But Dell's won. I thought he was and, – and honestly, I thought bringing Mike Elson back as the D-line coach in 20 – was it 2016 or 17 mm-hmm. was a bad move because I thought – because he didn't do a great job on the D-line his first tenure because he was the D-line coach at first, then moved to linebackers. He was like okay as a D-line coach, but he wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think he was going to have the success he had. So that was that was one I was I'm I was glad to be wrong on. You know, the, the, yeah. he was much better his second go around coaching the defensive line. We have another super chat from Brandon. It says, "Do you see? Thank you, Brandon. Do you see a possibility of Raritan and Stace being split out wide, Eifert style this season? If the wide receiver depth dwindles, any intel on their positional flexibility? Well, Brandon, we we did have the one intel piece where we did talk about Stace a little bit on how they're going to use him this year. But, Ryan, I would anticipate the both of them play, and they will both have times where they're going to be moved all around. And I do yeah. think they can be used absolutely to supplement receiver depth. But Raritan's got to get healthy first himself. He's yes. not fully cleared for full tar- – he's out there practicing and running, but he's not taken – when I say fully cleared, I mean fully cleared doesn't mean you're just healthy and practicing. It means are you practicing at the full volume that you would if you weren't injured, and he's not mm-hmm. there yet. Right. I, I think for me, Brandon – I think that both of them give you some flexibility in that department. If Eli Raritan's healthy, and I would love your opinion on this, Brian, like wouldn't he, he seems like that guy that like goal line package, right? Like, well, red zone package that you just throw him into the boundary and let him get like some jump balls or something like that. Like he's kind of like that fade dude. You remember how, uh, Mm -hmm. do you remember how Stanford used, what was that big tight end they had a couple years ago? The Smith kid? No, not Smith. It was, he was even bigger than Smith. His name will come back to me in a minute, but they would literally. Oh, he wasn't just, their main tight end though, right? He was just a six eight guy. Is that who you're talking about? He was their main tight end, maybe after Smith left though. If here. I remember correctly, what is that guy's name? But anyway, he, he a, was 
bit of a different he, last name, correct? He, he plays he plays for Seattle now. I know that he's on. Oh, the Colby Parkinson. No, it's yeah, Colby Parkinson. Park- okay. Yeah. So Parkinson was like six eight. Like they would just yeah. throw him into the boundary in, in the red zone sometimes. In, in twenty eighteen, Ryan he yeah, had twenty nine so. catches and seven touchdowns. To your point, yeah, that was the year it, you're referring to. They would just throw him jump balls, man. And like I could see Raritan being used in that department mm-hmm. at times. You know, early on, especially if yeah. he's if he still get, if he just got back as well too, right? Like you can simplify a role a little bit and just get him some opportunities with that length that he has right so i think he is the easy one for me out of those two that i would see most being like a boundary option as the tight ends okay i have a super chat from sky shark 425 sydney albert johnson was greater than robert e lee uh i'd have to think about that one i would my gut would be to say no i'd want to hear your argument so present your case sir but we appreciate your Super chat, nonetheless. I appreciate that very, very much. Let's see here. We got some more. Uh, we got we had that one. All right. Uh, I'm trying to find some here that we can get to. Uh, There's Ar- been a lot of good questions. Yeah, so man. many good ones. We're just yeah. I can't go five hours today. Uh, Archer <laughs> four five two. Brian and Ryan, which Ohio State player on each side of the ball presents the biggest challenge for Notre Dame? Which Notre Dame player on each side does the same for Ohio State? Well, we kind of talked. Well, presents the biggest challenge. So let's let's look at this differently. Presents the biggest challenge for me on we'll go offense for Ohio State, defense for Ohio State, and then we'll go Notre Dame, Notre Dame. So yes. we'll both offer one. So for me, Ryan, the guy that presents the biggest challenge on offense for Notre Dame is Trayvon Henderson. I agree with you. I agree. Yeah. If he gets going, you have you don't have much of a chance to to I mean, because he you could do all these kind of things to take the receivers out, but then do you expose yourself to getting beat by Trayvon Henderson? That that's mm-hmm. the big one for me. That's the big one yeah. for me. The only other one I would offer up is if – actually, I don't want to phrase it like that. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. could be a really, really dynamic player mm-hmm. potentially, but my answer was also Trevion Henderson. Yep. He's a different type of cat in my opinion. Defensively, we kind of talked about this. It's like if one of the D linemen goes off. Tyler Williams might Yeah, guy. that was yeah. the one we kind of both leaned on. You know, Maybe mm-hmm. one of the edges plays out of his mind and the light goes on. But those are the only ones. I mean, you say even if Denzel Burke plays a, a, a great game, he can only cover one guy. Sure. You know, and Ronnie Hickman's a good player, but he's not like a matchup problem. I mean, because he's not taking Michael Mayer out of the game, right? I mean, I'm sorry. Steel Chambers isn't taking Michael Mayer out of the game. So they're not matchup problems. The guy for Notre Dame that I think is the biggest matchup problem for Ohio State is Tyler Buckner. And, and honestly, Tyler Buckner or Chris Tyree. Here's mm-hmm. what I mean by that. Ohio State's linebackers I don't think are great. And, and Steele's a good athlete, but he's more of a twitchy in-space athlete, I think. Yeah. I don't know if their athletes and safeties are going to necessarily want to make a living running with Chris Tyree. on. I think they could steal a big play in the pass game with Chris Tyree, much like they've done in the past with him. That mm-hmm. could present some problems. And but, but the reason I go back to Buckner is because that would come off of the fact that the linebackers have to defend Tyler Buckner as a runner that could yeah. open up some opportunities. But um, I, I don't think Michael Mayer is the biggest matchup problem because I think he's the best player. Mm-hmm. Ohio State doesn't have anyone that can match him, but they can take Michael Mayer out, in my opinion, much easier than they can defend a, a quarterback who can run around and move all over. And I don't care who the tight end is. That's always true, in my opinion. Yeah. You put the best yeah, tight end in the college football or in, in the NFL and put him on the Ravens, and he's still not going to be as big of a matchup problem as Lamar Jackson athletically, you know what I mean? And that's kind of the way I look at it. 
I, I was between Buckner and I was going to mention Mayer just mm-hmm. because I think that the mismatch that he has against guys like Steel Chamber and Ronnie Hickman right. and Josh Proctor, to your right. point, like I think that is a obviously a big right. matchup that you can take advantage of. So yep. he would have been just drop drop his name out there. Yep. See here, uh, oh Notre Dame. I think defensively, uh, defensively, yeah, yeah. I think the the it's Fosky. I mean, I I, I mean with all I, I could I could throw out Cam Hart and I could throw mm-hmm. out. Uh, you know, but I, I think Cam Hart's not a matchup problem for Marvin Harrison per se. It's he can kind of neutralize. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there you exactly. go. Yeah. Uh, you know, Maris schematically could present some problems, but I'm, I'd say, you know, who the only other person I would accept would be Jason Adamuel. Yeah, simply Jason's because I think Ohio State might be better prepared for Foskey at tackle because Dewan James is not a guy that we're necessarily high on, but he's at least long. And then <laughs> we do think Paris Johnson's really talented. He's going to have an adjustment to make the offensive tackle, but he's really talented. For Their sure. guards are solid. It's just, are they good enough to stop Jason Alamiola? I don't know if the answer to that. That's what that'd be the only other one that I think would be an acceptable answer. And it, now that I talk about it, it actually may be, maybe my number one yeah. just because of the matchup of, because it also, I mean, who the opponent is matters in a matchup difficulty, right? I mean, sure. You know, so I I would actually have to go with Jason on this one. I, to be honest with you. I would. So I was between those two as well. I would say I'll I'll say Isaiah if he's matched up against Dewan Jones a lot because those mm-hmm. slow feet are I don't think are going to eat in that matchup. So yeah, mm-hmm. the more he's on Dewan Jones, the more headaches I think he's going to give Ohio State. Savage Science Fitness. When it comes to Keeley and Bowen, do you think that a lot of people thinking they are flipping is media driven because they say they're committed to Notre Dame hundred percent? Look, it's both. When you take visits, and as especially as many visits as Peyton Bowen has taken, and there are extenuating circumstances which we've discussed, but perception-wise, when you take visits, you know Keon wants to take officials and all that. That is a legitimate concern, to, a reason to be concerned. I think the degree to which a lot of this has been blown up has been very much media-driven. Does that mean both are definitely signing with Notre Dame? I'm not saying that. I've never said that. I'm not saying that about anybody in this day mm-hmm. and age. I'm not saying that about anybody. Yeah. And and when Pete Warner flipped to Ohio State, I said if he can flip, anybody can flip at this point in time, you know. So, uh, but I think a lot of it's media driven. Yes, I think a lot of the stuff that we're hearing now is media driven. Yes, it's it's absolutely. it's always like anytime there's these questions where it's one side or the other, it's usually a little bit of both. Like that's just right. usually the reality for me, right? Right. So their actions do cause some pause. Like let's be honest, the visits do cause some pause. But to Brian's point the media is running away with it a little bit. Like I do think so. Yeah. Well, and and, and some people are being fair, but some people, Ryan are just honestly between you, you know, we've talked just flat out making stuff up because here's the reason why it sucks in this business. Cause people can say anything and then just go and say, sources said this Mm -hmm. and then wait, look, circumstances change and there's no way to prove that they were lying. Right. But we know they're lying. Right. Mm -hmm. Or they're talking to somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who cuts the Scott coach's hair, who, you know, you know what I mean? It's, it's a lot of it's, but some of the, some of the people saying stuff is just flat out making stuff up. Like I have been told that a Notre Dame commit, we'll say which one has committed to another school. I was told this like three weeks ago, it's flat out lie, just flat out lie, you know? And it's just like, no, that's just a flat out lie. Or it was going to happen like by the end of the week. Remember the one where Keon Keeley was going to commit to Florida the next weekend. Remember that one? I, I, I know some people and I'm a source and I know that and he's going to flip to Florida. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And, that, but Hey, you know, circumstances change. He changed his mind and, and you can't prove him wrong. 
right? Because it's a source. You can't reveal your sources. So that ha- and now that on three has arrived, and like them and two four seven are like in a clickbait battle, you know, like nationally. I'm talking national. I'm not talking about Irish Illustrated. I love those. You know, love Tim, Tom, Tim O'Malley, all those guys. I'm not talking about BGI. I'm not. T- I'm talking about national people. It's become a clickbait battle, and you know, because you now have two entities that were created by the same guy with a very similar business model that's driven by page views that you, you don't survive in business, Ryan, you don't pay your hundred million dollar investors back mm-hmm. with $1 subscriptions, right? It's off the ad revenue, which comes from clicks. And that's, that's what we're, and so now it's like, Oh no, I can get the most clicks on this off this kid. Right. And it's created a, it's turned a, a problem that was always there into a much bigger problem. In my opinion, that's my 100%. opinion on the situation. hundred percent. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Marcus Kerr says, are you guys a little concerned with the job Chris O'Leary has done or no context of these? However, lost out on uh, more that'd be Devin Moore and Xavier and Wonkpa settle for Ben um, Hamilton regressed settle for Ben. Oh, Ben minute settle Hamilton regress Peyton sliding. Okay. A couple things. There's a couple things in there that I don't accept. Number one, I don't believe Chris O'Leary was the primary recruiter for Devin Moore. They were recruiting him as a corner. I could be wrong on that, but he was one of several coaches that was recruiting him. So, yeah, it's a loss. Xavier Nwankpa is was not on Chris O'Leary. Look, Chris O'Leary had Notre Dame ready to get his commitment. His parents wanted him. There was something else that happened that was out of his control that Notre Dame could never recover from. And uh, settling for Ben Minich, they didn't settle for Ben Minich. He's their third safety in this class. And and Hamilton regressed. That's on, that's on Kyle Hamilton, with all due respect. Uh-huh. Uh, Peyton sliding, uh, is he? Right? Like, let's see what if he actually makes a decision. Right. So in some areas, I do have questions about, about Chris O'Leary because I don't necessarily know that Chris O'Leary is the driving force behind the current safety class as it is, right? I mean, he's a part of it. Uh, in some areas, I thought I thought the safeties were coached pretty well last year, right? And I, I thought mm-hmm. Kyle was actually the least disciplined safety they had last year. You well, know, like – he took he took Ramon Henderson in mid what was it like mid-season? and Xavier Watts yeah and, no yeah, it was post mid Ryan he was playing yes. corner against North Carolina right that was half that was the second half of the season to your point and by the end of the season you're like wow going into next year those guys are going to be stars right. with how good he did right. the job with those so yeah right. I mean there's right. context to it there's context right. to it. Am I concerned about Chris O'Leary to a degree? Yes. He still has a lot to prove to me as a recruiter. A lot to prove to me as a recruiter. Can he really get his secondary playing dynamic? That's a question mark. 
Can he get the most out of guys? Still a question mark, but that's a question mark really because he's only been a full-time coach for two years. Yeah. Right. So we haven't seen him go through developing a whole a roster. But, you know, if Ramon Henderson doesn't take a jump this year, okay, then I'm I'm a little concerned. But uh, yes and no, I guess is the way I say it. We we need to see more, especially on the recruiting trail, Ryan. But I mean, so far I think he's done a solid job. Yeah. Can he be better? He needs to be, and we don't know if he will be. But he's done some solid things. I think recruiting is probably where I'm the because forget the Devin Moore thing. He didn't sign a safety last year. Like completely mm-hmm. struck out. That's a concern. And now he's right. made up for it with Peyton Bowen and Don Schuler and Ben Minich. That's a pretty darn good safety class. I mean, Peyton Bowen, in my view, is a top 30 overall football player. A Don mm-hmm. Schuler, in my view, is a top 150 overall football player with offers from Alabama and Georgia. So, I mean, so far, so good. He's just got to hold on to those guys because the questions become much starker, much like louder if they don't sign Peyton Bowen, which right. I'm not saying they won't. I'm just saying in to what he had said down there is a question. Mm-hmm. John Gallagher asks, I'm a, uh, should Manti Teo have won the Heisman Trophy? No, Johnny Manziel was the most dynamic player in college football that year. Yeah, he, he was, was special. He, he was, was special. And he you know, went on the road, beat Bama. I mean, you know, he he was pretty special that year. He, he mm-hmm. de- Manti deserved to be second, but the, the best player in college football that year was Johnny Manziel, in my That's opinion. That's fair. That's very fair. Cole Barker, considering the depth of the receiver position, is there a possibility we see the two – well, we kind of answered this one earlier um, – mm-hmm. So Cole, so I'll, I'll finish reading. Is there a possibility we see two freshman tight ends filling some red zone and more roles, Eli and Holden? Ryan kind of talked about that earlier. Could definitely see a, a role in which they play some red zone, especially with uh, Eli Raritan in the boundary, kind of like Ryan discussed earlier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ryan O'Lennox says, hate to be a downer, but if Notre Dame has a mediocre season, nine and three, in both your views, what would be the leading reason why? So if Notre Dame doesn't live up to expectations, what would be the leading reason why? I think number one, yeah. Ryan – is what for you? I would say number one is that the young young group of players that we are assuming take a big step, the sophomores is mostly what I'm thinking about. They don't take the big step. And they're just maybe solid to good football players. And they're not good to very good type of players. So I think that you're mm-hmm. really dependent on a young nucleus this year. So if they don't take a step forward, I feel like that could set you back a, a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think when I look at it, Ryan, it's mm-hmm. you have a lot of injuries at key positions. Obviously, can always be one. The quarterback play is not where it needs to be, which could then also turn into injuries. Yep. And you know, I think that the lines aren't as good as we think they're going to be. I think would be the three driving forces behind. And then, of course, the caveat is somebody's way better than we think they're going to be. That could mm-hmm. always be a factor sure. too. But but I, I I think quarterback injuries would be the two that would be the biggest reasons for me mm-hmm. quinn kelly says were you guys big on joe burrow pre-2019 so i will say i was um and i'm on record as having predicted lsu to be a playoff team in 2019 i really liked joe burrow i thought he had really good talent around him but when i say i really like joe burrow i thought he could throw for like 3,500 yards and 30 touchdowns and they were gonna have a really good defense and great players around them and they'd go to a playoff game and lose in the first round. That's what I was high on pro Joe. You know, was I big on Joe Burrow? I liked Joe Burrow a lot. I had no clue he was going to be what he was. None. None. So, no, yeah. I was I, – I, I would say, yes, I was, but I wasn't big on I, – I didn't – I'm not going to sit there and lie and say that I pretend – I'm going to pretend like I saw coming what came, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I thought he's going to be a really good player, but not that kind of player. But I thought the really good player was going to do more. Because what happened, Ryan, is I really liked the talent LSU had in 2018. Mm-hmm. And I said a lot of things about LSU that I've said about Notre Dame in recent years. Like if they can finally – and so when they went and got Joe Joe Brady and I heard mm-hmm. that he was going to open the offense up and when we saw what they were kind of doing in the spring and and I thought Joe Burrow was a pretty decent player in 2018. He just played the crap offense. Solid. Yeah. But he had really good players around him. I was like, man, if they can turn this guy loose, I think he could be a good player. Again, 3,500 yards, 30 touchdowns. You know, he was a good athlete. He could maybe run for three, 400 yards. I love Jamar Chase as a freshman. I thought Je- Justin Jefferson was a good player, and they were going to be great on defense. Well, they weren't great on defense, partly because of their offense, but Joe Burrow was otherworldly, and that I did not see at all. Yeah, I, I was like lukewarm on him, if I'm being completely honest. Like, I thought he was a solid player, you know, like a, probably a good co- like a good player for what LSU needed but I did not see that rise. I didn't. It was, I have never seen anyone take that type of rise in like the draft sphere before, man. Like he went from a guy that maybe was drafted to a guy that was like one of the best quarterbacks I've ever graded, like Mm -hmm. in a very quick, it was an insane rise. Absolutely insane. Yeah. I I didn't see that coming. No, I don't think nobody did. I don't think Joe Burrow saw that coming. I mean, if we're being honest, I mean, like, Um, but yeah, I, I did, I did like him coming out going into that year. There's no doubt, Mm -hmm. no doubt. All right. Archer four, five, two is the Notre Dame starting 11 on each side set by now, or are they still legit position battles going on? They're still, they're not set completely 11 on 11. There's still a lot, a lot to to prove. Ryan, this is for you, Sam Tyrell. Mm -hmm. Uh, will Isaiah Foskey be a top 10 pick? It's possible. I would say I think that if he would have came out last year, he was he was definitely a top 50 kid, probably a late first or early second round type player. If he takes a step forward, I believe that from a physical perspective and from a testing perspective, he will have a chance to maybe be the second edge off the board. I think that Will Anderson's going to be a tough guy to unseat in that department. But we have know that NFL really goes – goes big on some edge players, right? Some pass rushers. And if Foskey has a big year, I think it's possible, Sam, but I'll say top 20 to be a little reserved mm-hmm. on it. Yep. All right. We've got some more here real quick. Uh, Nick Pope, PayPal. What do you think the first play is going to be against Ohio State? My feeling is play action rollout for a deep shot to Lorenzo Styles. I could dig that. I'd be fine with that. I do yeah. think it's going to be – I said this before. I think it's either going to be a run or some kind of moving Tyler Buckner bootleg sprint out play action yeah something something where he gets to move and it's like a you got one read it's a post drag concept right and or and if it's not there run it maybe a bootleg with like lorenzo you know clear out and bring lorenzo or mayor across or something like that where if it's not if they cover it run it just something to kind of get them going uh and the reason i say run and i think it'll be a run is because you're you're establishing the run but then also if they crowd the box you see it snap one and catching it throwing out on that quick hit quick hitch or throwing a bubble or something like that with an rpo so i think the first run will be a i think the first play will actually be a run if they mm-hmm. if if i had to pick if they throw it ryan is when i think that they'll get outside of the outside and go with it so yeah um uh bbg should be coach if tyler does have a big game and we beat ohio state does he play flat the next week i don't care I'm fine. Play flat. <laughs> I don't care. They're going to beat Marshall no matter how Tyler Buckner plays. Hey, uh, I'll you be know. in town for that one, so I don't want to see him playing flat. They're going to yeah, – I don't care. If it means beating Ohio <laughs> State, suck it up, Ryan. Take one for That's the team. Fair. Okay? Fair. 
Uh, that's why you should have brought the hey, RB. Man. Then you could have hung out time- in the town for the next week and gone to the Marsh Cow game when it played. Hey, man. Last time I was in town, I had to suffer through the Cincinnati game. Yeah. Okay, Actually, no, that's, okay. that's a lie. Before the spring game, the last yes. time I was in town, I had to, yes. I had to suffer yes. through the Cincinnati game. So last time you're in town for a real game. game. Yes, 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 yes. Yep, I agree. All right, let's get to a few more before we get here, uh, before we get out of here. Uh, Tyler Bedwells, are you guys planning on uh, ha- to have a tailgate at Stanford night game? My wife and I are going. I'd love to stop by and meet you guys. So we're going to probably do something for just about every game this year, even if it's something small. Uh, even if it's just putting the tent up and having to get together. Hey, I'm in this lot and we're hanging out just talking and you know, having Mountain Dews and waters or whatever. Uh, so, um, yeah. Yep. Uh, Tyler Robinson says, says, hey, Coach Driscoll, I joined the message boards yesterday. It's awesome, though I find it a bit overwhelming at the moment. I'm old and have never been on a message board. I love the football 101 section, and we do need to start drawing that football section. But, Tyler, thank you for signing up. I'm sure you got my welcome to Irish Breakdown letter this morning. I know I sent that to you. But we appreciate you have, appreciate you being on, on board with this and appreciate the support. Then last question, we're going to go with this, Ryan, mm-hmm. is here from Blaine Tiller. Who would you bet on having more touchdowns this season? Michael Mayer and Chris Tyree as a combo or the whole wide receiver room? So does that include receiving and rushing touchdowns for for Chris Tyree? I would imagine it does That's since he didn't say since he, right, he didn't yeah. say uh receiving. So so combo touchdowns for Tyree and Mayer or the whole receiver room together? I'll I'll take the former in that one, I guess. I would take Mayer and Tyree, I think, because if we're again, if we're counting receiving and rushing touchdowns, mm-hmm. even if Chris Tyree only has let's say five to six, seven rushing touchdowns, I imagine he'll still have a couple on through the air. So on top of what did Mayer have last year, Brian seven, six or seven, sevens? yeah, yeah, somewhere yeah. in that ballpark. So I imagine he'll still be a big red zone threat this year. So I mean, that's working with. I would say that's 15 plus touchdowns between the two potentially. Right. So mm-hmm. actually, man, actually, no, I'm switching now that I'm kind okay. of doing the math in my head. I'm going to say wide receiver room. Okay. So how many touchdown passes do you think Notre Dame is going to throw this year? I, I think I said before 27 ish. Okay. There, 28. So then we'll add three more for the backups because backups throw touchdowns. So they're going to have 30, sure. 30 touchdowns, 30 mm-hmm. from right in your view. Yep. Michael Mayer gets about how many of those? I'd say eight. Okay. How many go to other tight ends and running backs? Not named Chris Tyree. Touch, just touchdowns? Just, no, pass, uh, they're receiving touchdowns, passing touchdowns to the tight ends and running backs, not named Chris Tyree. About how many of those do you think you'll be? Four. Okay. I'd say four. Okay. How many passing touchdowns do you think Chris Tyree will have this year? I'll say four as well. Okay. That's a number, I think. All right. So that right there is 16. So that would mean 14 touchdowns to the receivers. Mm-hmm. So you think Tyree and Mayer are going to have 12 combined touchdowns receiving, which means Tyree would only need three rushing touchdowns to surpass that. So Don't do math with me. Don't I'm do just, math. I'm just, because what, what I'm <laughs> saying is kidding. your gut, your gut response was right. That's what I'm, mm-hmm. that's what I'm like. You changed it. Cause you started, you know, I, I understand where you were going with it, but I think your gut was right because of the mm-hmm. st- type of offense. Now here's a question that I have. Does a player like Tyler Buckner or just specifically Tyler Buckner and what we perceive his skill set to be this year, does mm-hmm. that help or hurt Michael Mayer's potential to score more touchdowns? 
It's a good question because there's two arguments to it, right? One is uh-huh. it's going to help because having Buckner, teams have to worry about him more, which means great greatly enhances the chances that he finds Mayer open for scores on runs, right? It's not drop it over. The uh-huh. other, the, the counter is, no, he's going to score more running, which is going to take away right. tight end opportunities for Mayer. That's kind of, to me, the, the balance it, to it. I, I think it may hurt more than help, if I'm being mm-hmm. honest, because I do think that I do think that they may utilize Tyler Buckner's ability as a runner in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that that's, I mean, that's a big bonus because you're playing against a lot of man to man in the red zone. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. athletic quarterbacks against man coverage is, is money. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. So that is going to do it everybody for today's show, man. So Ryan, we could have literally gone for two to three more hours. Uh, we could have at least gone for another hour and a half without taking another question. Like you guys brought so many great questions tonight. We appreciate today, I guess. We appreciate y'all very, very, very much. This was a great show, uh, great, enjoyable show. I don't know if we were great, but y'all's questions were great. And hopefully we stepped up and, and were able to, to, to offer the same. But uh, a lot of fun, Ryan. Thanks for being with me today. I appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow. Just make sure you hit that like button, folks. Hit that, hit that uh, notification bell. Hit that subscribe button. We keep doing that every day. We keep doing the same thing where we hit the same thing. Uh, I want to get to the the, the this one because we want you to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. You know what? I'm just going to let Macy AK do it, Ryan. Join the message board, everybody. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe and the notification bell. Share this podcast. Leave a five-star review. Visit the IB store to get a smooth IB polo or hat. Or we got the banner. We got the, the sweatpants, which is really nice. Falls around the corner. We got the blankets, which are your wife has an IB blanket, correct? She said that's very, very good for hanging out and relaxing and all those type of things. So appreciate y'all very, very much for being with us today. Thank you, Mace AK, for taking us out of here. Y'all have a great rest of your day. We'll see you on the boards. Thank you for being with us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.